have the conversation with them like, hey, I want to do and create a deeper sexual um, experience with you. I have no idea what that looks like. I imagine it'll be really intense and beautiful and pleasurable, but also at times very vulnerable. Are you on board with that? Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. I'm super excited about this one because we're going to get really down and dirty. This is one of our first episodes totally devoted to sex and sexuality, which is quite exciting. And my guest today is Meta from San Diego. She's a Tantra-based coach, storyteller, mentor, and cosmic lover, which I love. And, um, yeah, she's a teacher and facilitator with expertise in self-expression, embodiment, sexuality, relationships, and love. And today we're going to be tapping into her expertise specifically around men and advanced sexual mastery. So I feel like, personally speaking, um, the script for male sexuality in our culture is actually pretty limited and very much porn-based. So a lot of our sex seems to be like, uh, we kiss for a little bit, I go down on you, you go down on me, we have intercourse, and then the man has an orgasm, and he ejaculates. And that's kind of like the script. And that's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's a lot more that's possible, more than even I know. And I really want to get that out there, because I think there's something really exciting and powerful about the potential that we all have as sexual beings. And I feel like, honestly, like, we're only using like 10% of our potential right now. So welcome to the episode, Meta. Super excited to have you. Um, and, um, I also just want to say before we start that this episode is going to take a primarily hetero stance, heterosexual stance, and we're going to be talking about mostly sex between men and women, but the principles also apply to gay relationships, bisexual relationships, all kinds of relationships. And Meta, if you want to speak into that at all, please feel free. I just want to name that that's kind of the, the approach that we're going to take. And, um, but that's not the only approach that exists. Um, yeah, totally agree. If there's any moment where I say man or woman, just replace whatever gender into what I'm saying. And specifically what you said, it applies to all genders. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what is possible for men when it comes to advanced sexuality? I know that's a big topic, but it's something you teach about and think about and mentor people on. So what, what is possible for men? For sure. Um, and I'm, I use the word advanced here and I mean that carefully. I don't mean advanced as being better than anything else, but it does mean the next level of experiencing a wider range of sexual expression of pleasure and of bliss. So know that when I say advanced, that's what I mean. Um, but yeah, what is, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So we want to ask the question here, what's possible for men? Um, and then as a result, also women and what's 
possible, like you mentioned, there's this huge idea of what sex should or shouldn't be. It's the porn industry, but it's also what we grew up learning from magazines and also our friends and our family. And for a lot of people who also have religious backgrounds as well, um, I myself have a very strict Christian background. So I had a lot of beliefs growing up of what sex should or shouldn't be. So it took a long time. There was this inner knowing that I knew there was something more. And I love that we're talking about this today because we all know that there's something more than what we initially learned, especially if our views and um, experiences are informed by the porn industry. So, you know, when I say to someone, ask yourself what's possible, it's, there's something inside of us that knows that everything is possible. And it really is just like creating anything else in life. State what you want. Start to look at what your deepest desires are and start there. Mm. Yeah, I think before we go into what is possible, can you just outline a couple of the beliefs you mentioned? Because I think those are pretty, pretty widely universal, especially in the US. What are some of the beliefs that come from a religious background around what sex is or what it should be? Yeah, well, the first and the first and strongest one that I see everywhere is you have sex with someone that you're married to. Mm. Um. Another one is that men are supposed to be the ones to initiate and chase the women. Mm -hmm. Um, Men are supposed to be the ones to ask the women out first. Men are supposed to be the ones to pay for the date. Mm -hmm. Men are supposed to be the ones to give to women. Um, A lot of things you'll see in the porn industry is a lot about ravishing. And I don't want to discount ravishing in sexual play, but that is only one version. There's so many other versions. So that it's like ravishing a woman, pounding a woman. Um, another one that I see everywhere is that the men is supposed to please first. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how often I'm the one who wants to please first, you know? So everything is possible. Everything that you've ever thought that sex should or shouldn't be, like anytime you hear the word should, mm-hmm. just completely erase it from your sentence and challenge yourself to what you think shouldn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, um, when you, on your, in your personal journey, cause I'm guessing that's a big part of your story as it is for many of us, mm-hmm. how did you start deconstructing those shoulds and start experiencing what is possible? Ooh, good question. Um, so I'll, tell you when I was in church, I probably was in church. Well, I was in church until I was 22 years old. So when I was about 12 to 15, I observed the sexual narrative that was going on in my world. And it was really interesting. My parents were pretty sex positive as long as, um, the conversation was within the constraints of marriage. Like they talked about sex. They talked about their play. We talked about sex toys. They joked about it. Um, and it was a really comfortable environment to talk about sex. So I'm really grateful for that. On the other hand, um, there was the church and you only have sex with someone that you're married to. Yeah. And in, in church, we didn't really talk about masturbation as well. So I had these two worlds completely clashing. It just made me pay attention a little differently. And so one of the things I remember seeing when I was younger was the girls around me in church 
were losing their virginity at really young ages. And I didn't judge this. They were all a part of my family, but I did take a look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, what do I actually want here? I told myself I would prefer to get to what I think is a good age to start making mature sexual decisions. And it seems like in America, it starts at 18. I don't know. I just made up a number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my, My first questions of discernment around what should and shouldn't happen was because my parents were telling me that sex was amazing and pleasurable. And the church was telling me was that I just wasn't supposed to do it unless I was married. And then there were, there was no other conversation about it after that point. Right. Right. It was sort of like black and white. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, okay, if it's such an open conversation at home, but it's not at church, there's something here that's not matching. And I think that I'm going to find out what works for me. Mm-hmm. And how did you, how did you do that? Cause that's actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty bold statement. Yeah. I, Let's see. Well, I told myself when I was 15, I had a boyfriend at that time. I, my boundary was that I wasn't going to have sex with him. Um, that if he would like to wait with me until I was 18, that's what I wanted. That's what I chose for myself. Mm. Um, we ended up ending that relationship. And a few years later, I had a new boyfriend who was actually on board with me with that goal. Um, and when I turned 18, we celebrated and we ended up having sex. And it was really, really intentional and beautiful experience for me. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. you. Uh, It hurt for sure, but it was totally worth it and really beautiful and and, an experience I'll always remember. Mm. Um, I just remember at that age saying, this is what I desire, even though I'm seeing all of these different ways of doing it around me, I'm going to honor myself and I'm going to give myself that gift. So the first thing was that waiting till I was 18 is what I wanted to do. Now, um, after that point, I remember being a teenager and feeling like I needed to read about how to give better blowjobs. So (laughs) you've got, you've got teens, like boys and girls looking on the internet, asking each other, going to porn sites to try to figure out how to give the best blowjobs, how to eat her out in the right way. And it was just me constantly checking in with my deepest desires and my values. Like values run really, really deep. And I think the difference between advanced sexual life and what we could call not advanced sexual life is, are you connected to those deep values or are you just running on a program of what you think sex should be? Yeah. And are you actually feeling fulfilled at the end of the day? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. And I think it'd be great to hear you kind of describe your values and what you see as, as common ones that help with advanced sexual practice, because I agree that the, it's, it's almost like there's a default setting right? Like on your phone, there's all these default settings. And that's sort of what we grow up with in terms of sexuality. There's all these default settings and many people just don't ever move off of those default settings. So it's just the same sort of script over and over. So what, what do you mean by values? What does that look like? Yeah, let's go ahead and customize our phone right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I say values for me specifically, they're different for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? For me specifically over the years, one of the deepest values I have in my sexual experiences and relating 
And a value that the men that I relate with sexually share is devotion. Hmm. Is I want to feel and I want to create deep, deep devotion. Hmm. Um, a lot of people might not have ever heard that this is possible in sexual experiences or even know what that's like. Um, I encourage people to just start having conversations about what their deepest values are. And if devotion feels good, if it feels like one of them you want to experience in your sexual experiences, just like start talking about oh. that. Um, one of mine is devotion. And um, another you in uh, terms of, because I think some people, when they hear the word devotion, they might think, oh, you can only have devotion in the context of a committed relationship, but I'm guessing that you don't mean it that way. What do you mean by devotion? Oh, of course. Yeah. So devotion is if I have another human being in front of me that I am completely devoted to showing all of me Mm. and I'm devoted to them if they decide to show me all of them. And whatever that looks like, if it's vulnerability, if it's primal, if it's funny, if it's slutty, that I'm just devoted to whatever that's going to be. It's it's a really deep feeling and, and potential for vulnerability mm. for me and that other person. So when you talk about like committed relationships, that's a whole other conversation, mm-hmm. right? But Regardless if I'm dating someone or if I'm in a committed relationship, I just value deep devotion. If I'm going to open myself up and my body sexually to someone, it means I've chosen to open up. Like if I'm only going to open up a certain amount, I don't, I, I don't want to be inhibited in any way because I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to, to the sexual experience. Mm. So does that mean, for example, that you only are sexual with men that you feel you can be that open with? Yes, absolutely. That's, but that's just me. Yeah. But I think that's a good point. Cause what you, the value that you have of devotion sounds like total commitment to the moment that whatever shows up will be honored. That's what I hear in the, in the devotion conversation. And, <clears throat> and it sounds like that would, it would be pretty critical for, for that man, that space that you're creating with that man, that that would also be welcomed by him. So there's almost like a co-devotion thing happening. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what that means is when I create a container with a man of being sexual together or romantic, it means that we've communicated about what we want that to look Mm. like. It means that I'm feeling safe. It means that he's feeling safe. So to create a container and a value of devotion with another man, I'm not going to be able to do that with a one night stand or maybe even having only gone on two Mm. dates. Sometimes it works out that way, but to build trust and safety and to build conversation around what we would want to have together, that might take a, a couple conversations or some time. And when you, when you talk about having those conversations, like who's bringing it up and what does that conversation actually look like? Well, in, in my experiences, I make it a point to be the one to bring up, bring it up. If there's something I want to create, I bring it up. I don't wait for the other person to bring it up. Um, and that's another thing that we talked about earlier, like a belief that we have that men need to be the one to initiate 
or set the container or bring something up. But what the way that I like to live is if I have a desire, I speak into it. And does that sound like, hey, I would love to be sexual with you? Like, what what does that actually look like in real life? You know? <laughs> It depends. It depends on the man um, that I have in my life. Sometimes it's a man that I've known for a while and um, we start to get to know each other and I just message him one day. And sometimes it happens where the men message me first because that's just who I like to uh, relate with. And I'll say, I'll, I'll message them and say, Hey, I'm starting to feel like a little bit of like, like there's a deeper connection here that I want to explore with you. Um, and I'd like to talk about that. And then maybe we meet for a conversation and maybe in that conversation, if I'm primarily looking for a sexual relationship or, um, something deeper, then I'll speak on that and I'll say, I'm feeling like I'm really sexually attracted to you. Um, and I also value heart connection and intellectual connection and soul connection. And I really like to make sure that we have all of those, um, but I also, I just wanted to let you know that I think that it would be really wonderful to make love to you oh, one day. Oh, that's you know? so sweet. I really like that. I really like the um, uh, what you said about flipping the script of like, it doesn't always have to be the man who initiates, but it also, it feels really like, um, I don't know, that feels really sweet, like an offering, like, hey, I'm attracted to you and I'm interested in exploring this and I wanted to let you know. Because- Sort of like yeah. we talked about um, dropping a handkerchief in a past episode of like giving men indications of interest. And it's sort of like, yeah, <clears throat> like a big, huge handkerchief, <laughs> but it's still, it's still an offering, you know, like it's still like, Hey, I'm thinking about you in this way. You know, where are you? It's not like a, yeah. you know, driving forceful sort of, I don't know, declarative. It's like, it's sweet. There's something really sweet about it. Yeah, it's it's the dropping the handkerchief, like you said, on steroids. It's giving him the whole <laughs> tissue box and saying, hey, you want these tissues, you know? Totally. <laughs> and um, what that really speaks to is just being a human being and having desires and being comfortable to just state those desires and create invitations, you know? Like, I don't expect... One thing about sexual mastery in a very holistic lens is I don't expect men to always know what to say or do or know how to approach mm. me. Like I'm, I'm think I'm a woman who knows what I want and is able to speak into what I need. So why would I ever wait for someone else to, to guess what that mm. is? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like I think whether you're a man or a woman, this is an opportunity to just learn that if you have a desire, just speak into it. And, and it doesn't mean yeah. you're an asshole. <laughs> well, definitely not. Especially like you, the way that you said it and the offering that you provided for me, if I was a man and I heard that I would feel very invited in and welcomed and not like it was an obligation or that if I said, no, you would freak out and blame me. Like, I think sometimes there's a way that, um, women can communicate with men where it feels like you kind of have to give me this or else like, and the, or else is like, or else I'll fall apart or else I'll get mad at you. And, but the way that you did it was much more like, Hey, I'm feeling these feelings about you. I would love to see where this goes. And where do you, you know, where do you want it to go? Or where are you? Which is feels grounded. And it feels like you're going to be able to take care of yourself, even if that connection doesn't happen. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you were to flip that over and a man were to say that to a woman, as long as there's no attachment to an outcome and you're just really empowered in stating your desire, like men approach me in that way too. And it's just so nice and open and easy to respond. It it also makes it easier for me to respond whether I'm a yes or no. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I feel safer because I feel like you, you're, you're going to be able to take care of yourself. And I'm, whether I say yes or no, isn't going to, you know, crush you. So it's not like I'm making the decision for me and for you. I get to just be where I am and feel into whether I'm a yes. That's all I have to do. I don't have to do the both thing. Exactly. And this, everything that we're saying right now is the basis for any kind of sexual mastery for both men and women. Like, can you speak into your desires in a way where you're taking care of yourself? And can you provide the space for the other person to make their own decisions about what they want to? That's a really good point. So talk to me a little bit about um, how a person gets there. Like if, let's say there's a man who is still kind of afraid to approach women or that's challenging for him, like speaking into his desires is challenging for him. How does he get, get more comfortable doing that? How does he get to sort of building the foundation of advanced sexuality? So this is about, it's sort of like what I mentioned a little earlier. The first step, whether you want to share it with anyone or not, is to just recognize Mm -hmm. what your desires are. So it's like a lot of a lot of inner work before you ever get to the point mm-hmm. of approaching a woman. And the inner work is number one, do I know what I really want mm-hmm. here? Um, number two, am I okay with stating what I want without being attached mm-hmm. to an outcome? Um, whatever that answer is, just like double check yourself to see if that's true, you know, cause like there's a difference between approaching a woman in, and you're completely cool if whatever the outcome is, or if you're like freaking yeah. out about rejection. Um, and I'm not an expert on rejection. I do know that I still experience fear of rejection these days. Like I'm not some guru <laughs> who's figured it all out, but what I do is I focus on courage really. Like instead of focusing on avoiding rejection, I focus on walking towards courage. So it's like, how good and empowered would I feel if I have this desire, I acknowledge it within myself, I celebrate myself for even acknowledging that desire. And then I find the courage to go and communicate Mm -hmm. that with someone in a way that's like super vulnerable. Like, hey, even if, if you're a man listening right now, like, hey, I'm like really nervous to share this with you right now, but, um, you know, I'm wondering if I could share something with you and it's just like, how real is that? You know, what is the woman going to say? No, if she says no, you should not be hanging out with that woman. (laughs) You know, just like, what does it look like to be so vulnerable, even in, even in whatever you want to share, what desire you want to share? So, Hey, I'm feeling a little nervous to share this with you, but like, I'm really attracted to you and I'm wondering if, you know, we can go out for coffee or I'm really nervous to tell you this right now. I'm attracted to you. I'd really like to go a little deeper with you, whatever that looks like. And also know 
that when you're explaining this or sharing your desires, you're not the whole architect here of the reality. You're inviting the other person to co-create that reality with you. So don't put all the pressure on yourself to, to need to know what that connection would look like. But if you know that you want more connection, I at really least like that. that. I like that idea of you don't have to have it all worked out. But that to me, <clears throat> what you just described, that is a man leading and taking, taking that initiative the same way that you described yourself leading before. It's like him saying, Hey, I'm really attracted to you. I would love to take you out for coffee. if You're down. And knowing that she might say no, but even if she says no, it's exactly what you said, which is you did it right. Like you, there's something to celebrate just in having done that. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's like taking the bar exam. Even if you fail the bar exam, like you took the bar exam, like that's really fucking hard. And a lot of people will never do it in their whole lives because they'll be so afraid of failing. So I think there's something, yeah, there's just something um, beautiful about that idea of what you said, which is like, step one is like, you have to be aware of the desire. You have to be aware of the desire. If you're not even aware that you want something then you're never going to be able to move forward and take action. So the first step is being aware. And then the second step is being willing to speak to it. And that's, I think, um, I think that first step gets skipped a lot where men kind of assume that they know what they want, but deep down, like a lot of them aren't actually truly in touch with like, wow, I really want to see her again. Or wow, I really want to be sexual with that person. Like they're kind of aware of it, but sometimes it's sort of hidden or they push it away because they think it's not okay. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, frequency interference that happens in that step. But it sounds like what you're saying is like, that's actually really fundamental. And it's fundamental to advanced sexual practices because there's, there isn't, it's sort of like the power or the driver behind all of this is that desire. Right, exactly. And, and to speak on the rejection part, like also know guys that when a woman says no to a sexual experience, um, let's say you're just approaching her for the first time about it and she's just a hard no, like not with you. I'm sure you've heard this before, but the way that I look at this is like, she is saying no so that you can very easily and quickly go and find another woman who is a complete yes in all the ways possible. I think that's a really good point because there, it doesn't mean, yeah. Like a lot of times I think we make it mean something about us. Like I'm bad or I'm wrong or I'm not attractive and it's not true. Like a lot of times it's just not a fit it's just not the right fit or it's not the right time or there's something else going on. And so that's the part of the non-attachment to the outcome that I think is why I asked you sort of like, how, how do we as humans and men in particular cultivate that? Because it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to, all right. So you've approached this guy or he's approached you or whatever, and you're going to become sexual. Um, what what is possible for men when it comes to advanced sexuality? Like, what does that end up looking like? Yeah, um, I'll start with the mm-hmm. end, and maybe we can work backwards. So, the end for men and women could look like what's possible is hour long orgasms. <laughs> like, imagine. 
Yeah. Imagine laying on your bed and just being completely intoxicated with orgasmic tremors in your body for like an hour, but not like a seizure. It's like laying in a bath of fuzzy puppies. Fuzzy, sexy puppies, That's right? The like, title of the episode, laying in a bath know. of fuzzy, sexy puppies. <laughs> yeah, so just imagine like... I, at one point, and a a man that I was with just experienced different levels of orgasm, like deep orgasm, Mm. wide orgasm, orgasm to the skies, like God orgasm. So there's just, I'll say that right now, the possibility of orgasms and feeling depth and multiple of them is just completely infinite when you start to get into this world of advanced sexual mastery. And what you could also like learn about tantric practices. I'll be really clear though, like when I talk about tantra, I don't just mean sex. Sex is a very small part of it. But today we're talking about sex specifically. So yes, what's possible is crazy cosmic orgasms. Um, What's also possible is that you can experience that level of bliss and more without ever ejaculating at all and harnessing the power that you saved from your ejaculation and um, outletting that into your creative work or into another hour-long lovemaking okay, fascinating. session. We with have got a woman. to back up because there was a lot there. So how the hell does a man get to that point? Like how do you get to the point of being able to have an hour long orgasm. Yeah, um, that's a good question. So first of all, I would say is next to all the things we talked about in the beginning of this, um, it really does start with choosing the right sexual partner. So here we're talking about men and women, um, choosing the right woman who can be in that space with you. So when you find this woman, have the conversation with them like, hey, I want to do and create a deeper sexual um, experience with you. I have no idea what that looks like. I imagine it'll be really intense and beautiful and pleasurable, but also at times very vulnerable. Are you on board with that? And, um, you might have no idea what you're talking about. She might have no idea, but the, the first step here yeah, is to and just also be a what yes you just to described that possibility. Is creating the space, like setting up the container and, and actually mm-hmm. being clear about it. Yeah. Be clear about it with your words and then have a couple conversations if you need to and get clear about what you want that experience to look like eventually, even if it's just open exploration of each other's bodies. So that's the next step is being willing to explore each other's bodies almost as if you've never seen another body in this entire world before. Mm, And it's the most beautiful thing you've ever laid your eyes on. (laughs) the way to do that is to forget about anything you've ever seen in society. And what really helps is I'll get really granular here. It helps when you are in front of someone's body and you look at their body from a very micro perspective, almost as if you, you were looking through a microscope. So look at the, the hair follicles, look at the crevices, 
Look at the skin tone changes. If you can get this micro into a person's body and like run your fingers along their body, this is a different type of exploration and play that really builds up the connection to each other's bodies and each other's hearts. When you're there to just explore and it doesn't feel like you need to pound your way to an orgasm, then the both of you, including the woman, will start to open up more and more. Time that it's not just like you said, like taking her to Hammertown for like 60 seconds and that's that's the sexual encounter. What I hear is like slowing down and taking time. For sure. It's it's time. It's slowing down. It's telling yourself in your own mind, not yet, not yet, not yet. Like think you want to get to this place, just tell yourself not yet and slow down even more. So advanced sexual mastery starts with the mindset of not yet, like not needing to get to any certain point, but being there in the present moment and the discovery mm. of each other's bodies and hearts and souls. <clears throat> okay. So we're, we're doing that. We're doing the, the slowing down <laughs> and the really granular <laughs> kind of looking at this person as if for the first time and not at all. This is not at all the porn script. This is not at all. Just, we're just going at it. This is like not kind of the opposite of that. And then what happens? Well, then what happens um, is the men might be asking themselves, this is taking too long. Why am I doing this? Um, (laughs) And it's just, Going back into the remembrance of why you're here in the first place, you were longing for deeper, more fulfilled sexual relationship. And you're here because you're here to slow down in a way you've never really allowed yourself or your partner to do ever before. And so sometimes it just takes a little bit of a reminder of of why you're there in the first place and knowing that where you are headed is deeper pleasure, more Mm. fulfillment, um, more expression. Uh, and what will start to be uncovered is deeper levels of vulnerability and um, healing, potential healing, which I don't say healing too much because it scares a lot of people. But when you get this deep and if you want to get to a place to have these deep experiences, what this container is, is it's allowing you to look at everything in your life and your mind and your body that's getting in the way of having those experiences. However, you're not here to do it alone. You've created an agreement with a woman who you're here to explore that together. That makes a lot of sense, especially the vulnerability part, because I'm imagining this, this encounter and it, because it is so different from quote unquote regular sex where you know, a a lot of regular sex, like it's either in the dark or, you know, we're just kind of like taking clothes off as we go. There isn't like a slowing down and intentional, like looking at each other's bodies. And that even that, just that alone is, is rare. And I would imagine could bring up a lot of vulnerability. Like, what is she going to think of my body? Is it going to be good enough? Am I, you know, like all of the kind of insecurities around that can sort of be masked by, taking her to Hammertown or like, you know, doing it kind of quickly or in the dark or all of the other things. Like there's a way that just that one act before even any kind of like, you know, I'm going down on you or you're going down on me, just being with each other's bodies is inherently vulnerable and could be really scary. And also, like you said, a place for healing because you're actually 
deeply seen in that moment. Yeah. And if, and when you do go into going down on her or she goes down on you or you start having sex to just continue being in that present moment and notice when you think you need to go somewhere. Yeah. Cause what you're doing here is you're just building connection. You're building, you're like still exploring together. And then eventually you might, you might start having sex. And even in the sex and the lovemaking, it can go anywhere. It can go primal. It can go, um, very like making love. It could go super soft. It could go super hard. Like it could literally be anything that you want. The The goal here is just to, to slow down. Yeah. I think my experience with a lot of men has been, um, I feel like there's a point at which they check out, like we'll be having sex and they will kind of go away and I always wonder where they go. My assumption is that they go to porn. They go to something they've seen before. But I'm wondering, like, as a Tantra teacher, have you had that experience with men? And do you do you ever call them back? Or, like, do you ever address that in your work? Like, wh- where do you think they go? Um, so I think that it's a little bit of a different question for me. Um, it's not necessarily where do they go. What I want and what we've agreed to is devotion in this experience or depth in this experience. So if I see him go somewhere, then I can help the both of us and I can call him back. I could like do something like grab his face and look into his eyes and just go, hey, hi, like I'm here with you. Like, are you here with me type of thing? And it it really is just like being in it together. If you feel like, he goes somewhere, then as a woman, and even as a man, if women go somewhere all the time, they think about their freaking Facebook or the the shoes that they want to buy tomorrow, you know, like just get the other person's attention and and call their presence back into the experience. Mm. Yeah. I I like that. Um, I think that that is also a vulnerable act because there's something about the, um, the question of like, where did you go? That I think maybe on both sides is, oh, maybe I'm just making it up. Maybe they are present. Maybe I'm just, you know, Mm -hmm. something that's not there. But I think a lot of us have strong intuitions. And if we're feeling like that other person has checked out, they probably have. Yeah, for sure. And trust your intuition because if someone's checked out and you noticed it, they probably have. But the question isn't, where did you go? It's just come here, like meet me here again. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, in terms of like the, become kind of like becoming this, this lover or becoming this, this man who is advanced sexually, is this something that the man just decides to do or are there actual practices that support support him in in something like extended orgasm or yeah that's a great question so the first thing and i love that you said this just now the first way to mentally wrap your head around this this way of being is to maybe look at the archetype of the lover like I know for a lot of men, they like to look into archetypes like the king, the lover, the magician. This one you could call the lover. Like really own that archetype if this is a direction that you want to go. Um, 
The second thing is in practice, and men can do this alone, but they can also do this with their partners, is building what I call energy. So let's say that um, a man is with his partner and they're playing around and they're in the present moment and they start to play with each other. They start to go down on each other. They start to have sex. So, you know, when you get really close to orgasm and the energy is like super intense, Mm -hmm. what I like to do is build that energy to, if I were to use a scale from one to 10, 10 being orgasm and ejaculation, I would build the energy to a seven, or if I could build it to a nine and then slow down and play a little more and then start over with the energy. So take it from a one all the way up to a five, to a six, to a seven, and then start over again. So it's like getting them super, super close or getting themselves super close to orgasm. And they're really building energy. They're building a field of energy. Their body is is building more tension and you're building more bliss at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of like it reminds me of um like amping up a battery or like when you when you're charging up the the main switch in your circuit breaker, you have to like pump it a few times, you know, and then you flip the switch. It kind of reminds me of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And in my own personal experiences, and this isn't everyone, um, what I like to do is just do that for as long as I want. And then finally, I just get to a point where I'm like, okay, it would be really exciting to either um, have each other orgasm, whether it's ejaculatory or non-ejaculatory. And I just feel into what I want at that time. Now for the man, if he has a big work meeting the next day, um, I've had partners say, I'm not going to ejaculate tonight. I'd really like to harness some of this energy and put it into my work tomorrow. I'm like, okay, cool. And we either end our lovemaking at that moment, or he can do what we call an energetic orgasm, which is to orgasm without ejaculating. Okay. Let's explain that a little bit. Cause I think this is going to be a new concept for a lot of people. What does it mean for a man to have a non-ejaculatory orgasm or an energetic orgasm? What is that? Sure. So I'll try to do like a metaphor right now. When someone sneezes and it feels so good, like it feels really good. It's like a split second of bliss for a lot of people, but they don't jizz in their pants, you know, like they don't orgasm when they sneeze. So I would say that a non-ejaculatory orgasm for men and even women, um, because women ejaculate too, some, some of them do, is being able to build up the energy so much so that you experience an explosion and a release and blissful waves of energy in your body and different parts of your body or in your whole body that doesn't induce semen coming out of your penis. And it, I would imagine that it takes a certain amount of, um, what's the word self-control or you've got to learn how to do this, right? Like a a man learns how to do this. Yeah. it, It takes time to learn. Like what tends to happen when men take up the practice of just building energy and, and to like a nine and then going back down 
and not ejaculating and going right back up to a nine and going back down and just keep going back and forth, they'll start to build up an intelligence of energy within their, their sexuality and within their body to where they know when they're getting too close to orgasm and they know when they can bring it back down. Mm. Eventually what they'll start to experience with the building of this energy practice is they will orgasm anyways at like a seven or an eight, but the orgasm will feel like a 22. Whoa. Say that part again. You're saying that if they practice this, if they make it a a practice to go up to a nine and then go back down and then build it up, build it down, that eventually they'll just have an orgasm at a seven, but it'll feel incredible. Yeah. So men will just start having body orgasms without ejaculating. Like they won't, they won't even need to get to a 10 to experience the bliss of an orgasm. But it'll be, and it'll be a non-ejaculatory one. Exactly. Yeah. That's really fascinating to me for many reasons. And we're going to probably do another episode about this because, (laughs) (laughs) because, um, that is never represented in the culture. I mean, like this, this is, this is never shown in porn or anywhere really outside of the world of Tantra, which is not mainstream yet. So it's sort of like this secret thing that some men can do. And my question to you is, do you find that the men that, that do have this capacity that can do this, are they better? Like, are they better at sex for you? Does it feel better for you as a woman to have a man who's that, who has that much choice around his orgasm? Well, for me at the the level I am in my sexual development, which is um, further along than a lot of people. Yes. I prefer men who have a lot of experience in their sexual energies and abilities. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy just fucking or like anything else, you know, me particular, yeah. I like to choose men who've, who've been doing this for a little while. Um, but everybody starts somewhere, you know, um, one yeah. thing I'll say about, orgasms and men actually like you might have to edit this out because I just forgot it (laughs) I'm trying to remember um it was about men and energy and orgasms and oh okay okay I'm gonna start again so one of these things with the men on this path is I just want to remind them like ask yourself, why is it worth it to even do this, right? Like if you can just take a couple minutes and orgasm and feel that and go back to your day, that's totally worth it too. But there's a deeper, more fulfilling, more explosive type of pleasurable experiences that this will create in your life that makes it totally worth it. And that's in my experience. So I always bring men back to that question. Like, what is this really going to create for you in your life on a holistic level? You know, the other thing that occurs to me is confidence around sex with women, because I, I also work with men and a lot of men struggle with premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And this kind of sexual practice that we're talking about helps with all of that. It helps men give themselves more control over their penis, basically, and their energy and their sexual energy in a way that that makes it feel more, it just makes it feel more possible to have 
sex with women last longer, all of that stuff in that arena, this, this impacts all of that, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you can really look at the concept of performance anxiety and know that the whole premise of this entire conversation is to not have to perform because there is no outcome you kind of like get over a lot of that and you're able to really explore the truth of, of what you've been wanting this whole time, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's critically important because the why of why to, because it's also not that easy, right? Like what we're describing is like going up to an eight or a nine and then coming back to one or a two and doing that a couple of times. That's definitely going to take practice because if you're used to just going up and coming, like that's what, you know, it's, it's going to take some concentration, some willpower, breath work, you know, it's going to be effort, but there's so much on the other side of it that is possible. And imagine having, imagine having total control over that and having energetic control over your orgasm that would free up a lot of energy and just create a lot more possibilities in your sexual world. Yeah. Yeah. And sex becomes less of a chore, a, a quick deed and more of like a really pleasurable, different part of your life, like dancing with the women and like, imagine, imagine what you could create outside of just a two second, like shallow orgasm. Mm, yeah. Well, that feels like a good place to start wrapping up as we, as we wrap up here, can you just speak a little bit to, um, your experience receiving that kind of energy from the masculine? Like, what does it feel like to be with a man who has that kind of control? Mm, yeah. So I'm just like grinning from ear to ear right now because <laughs> I just melt into this little kitten of a woman when I think about playing with my love. Um, yeah, it's just what him and I have created together is just this boundless playground of exploration, exploring each other mm. and seeing each other almost for the first time, every single time we get into the bedroom. Mm. And it doesn't matter if I'm having a fat day or not, like it's the same. He just explores every inch of my body and he takes his time and he checks in with me. And I feel really safe to just open up all the way. And not have to worry even about my own performance anxiety because women have that too, you know, like our faces need to look pretty. We need to make certain sounds. But in this environment of just absolute exploration and non-outcome, eventually him and I do get to outcome and the both of us will probably end up orgasming. Mm -hmm. I just, as a woman who gets to experience this, it's like I never know what to expect and I am kept on the edge of my seat and I am loving every single second of it. <laughs> and I want more of it. Um, that is a great prize. If I was a dude, I would be like, um, yeah, I want to do that because it would sound so incredible to be with a woman that is that like lit up and excited and radiant and totally open. You know, I think that's, that's the dream for the masculine is to be with a woman who's that surrendered. Right. And it's just, I, I have so much admiration for him too, because, and all the other men who have been able to experience this with is because they do the inner work and they take care of themselves so that when they do show up with me, it's in a way of absolute giving and full receiving from me as well. 
Like I like to give if you, I will help you fully receive. I want you to fully receive too. This is like such a back and forth dance and play. And, um, it is based on being able to take care of ourselves individually first. Mm, Yeah. That's a great, that's, I think that's a great place to, to wrap because it's like a whole other doorway to go through. (laughs) Um, so thank you for being with us and sharing all of this. Can you say a little bit about where people can find you if they're interested in working with you, et cetera? Yeah. So you can find me on liveatantric.life. That's liveatantric.life. That's my website. Um, I do have resource, free resources there for men and women. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook as Meta Tara. Meta Tara. That's two words, Meta Tara. And I'll also drop all of that stuff in the show notes. Sure. Um, is there any last advice that you would give to men who are interested in becoming more sexually advanced? Yeah. Um, any advice, just the whole thing, I would just say, slow down when you're in an, a sexual experience, just the first thing, just remind yourself, not yet, just slow down. That's a good one. I second that. <laughs> For what it's worth. <laughs> okay, thank you, Meta. This was great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.